Well Within Reach is brought to you by Riverside MyChart, your simple, secure, and confidential online health connection. With just a click, Riverside MyChart lets you stay well connected to the same information your doctor sees. You can request prescription refills, pay your bills, schedule your next appointment, and more. Manage your care from your laptop, tablet, or phone. Whether for yourself, your kids, or the grandparents, MyChart makes your busy life just a little easier. Learn more and enroll today at RiversideMyChart.org. Just another way to stay well connected from Riverside Healthcare. Riverside Healthcare puts the health and wellness information you need well within reach. And this is the Well Within Reach podcast. I'm Carl Maronich. Joining us today is Dr. Arun Jagannathan. Doctor, welcome. Welcome, Carl. Thank you for having me. Well, we're glad you are able to make it. And you are an interventional radiologist, not telling you anything you don't already know, but that's what you are. And we need to find out a little bit about what that exactly is. What does an interventional radiologist do? That's a good question, Carl. So um, a lot of people, when they think of a radiologist, they they think of someone who is sitting in a dark room reading, reading studies and uh, probably having very little interaction with uh, other people outside of... Uh, uh, other specialists that uh, that they discuss those cases with, but actually, um, some of us that specialize in vascular and interventional radiology actually do procedures on patients, and we use um, our specialized imaging knowledge um, in order to use that as a guide to perform procedures. Sure, that makes sense. So, in in what parts of the body do you work with? Uh, it's actually a better question, uh, what parts of the body do we not work ah. in? And we are essentially everywhere in the body with exception of the heart and the head. Oh, wow. um, we work in all organ systems, um, arterial and venous circulation, um, and we use all forms of uh, different types of modalities to do our procedures, everything from ultrasound guidance to x-ray guidance uh, to CT guidance. Yeah. So in your education, you um, went, went to medical school, and when is it you had to decide that what your specialty was going to be? So um, just as in any other uh, residency decision, we decide uh, towards the end of uh, medical school what residency we, we'd like to go into. And at the time in which I trained, we would have, there was only one pathway to become a vascular and interventional radiologist, and you had to go through a full diagnostic radiology residency after medical school. So one year of internship followed by four years of diagnostic radiology followed by um, the interventional fellowship. Now they've actually um, added a few additional pathways in which you can start specialization a little bit earlier. And what, what drew you to that specialization? Uh, the specialization was, uh, I made that decision based on the fact that I liked imaging. I mm-hmm. like looking at images, but I also like to get my, you know, I, I'd like to be a little active and I'd like to have a little bit of patient interaction and yeah. I like to, I like to do procedures. So yeah. it was a, it was a perfect fit for me. So that interventional component allowed you to do that. Absolutely. Uh, interventional radiologists have been in the news recently because of a procedure that Melania Trump had, um, a kidney embolization, I believe it was. Um, talk a little bit about what that specific procedure is. So uh, with regards to Melania uh, Trump, we don't have a whole lot of details. They haven't provided a lot of details regarding what exact procedure she had done. And to make it clear, you didn't, you were not her doctor. You didn't, uh, so we're not violating any HIPAA rules here or anything. You, uh, you have no patient, uh, direct patient information on the case. Correct. Absolutely. We are just, we are making um, inferences regarding what type of procedure she may have had based on the information that was provided to us. Um an embolization procedure in general um, is essentially a procedure that decreases flow. 
Um, that's strictly what it means. Um, and you can decrease flow in a multitude of different fashions using different types of devices. Mm -hmm. And these are performed using a catheter, which is placed through the arteries. Um, and that can be placed from a multitude of different approaches uh, from the uh, from the groin, from a common femoral artery, all the way to uh, potentially the radial artery. Mm -hmm. And that catheter is then directed into the organ in which you'd like to decrease blood, blood supply. And then um, either particles, medications, or coils or other forms of, uh, of uh, uh, closure um, devices are, are then implanted via that catheter in order to decrease the blood supply. Okay. And why would you want to decrease blood supply? Why would someone have an embolization? So embolizations can be done for acute traumatic reasons, bleeding from an organ. Um, it can be done from a postoperative um bleeding complication after a procedure. It could be done in order to decrease blood supply to a tumor, and that could be to a benign tumor. It could be to a malignant tumor. Mm -hmm. It could be done to close down an abnormal communication between an artery and a vein, uh, arteriovenous uh, malformation or, or an arteriovenous fistula. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the kidney embolization procedure, who, who would be at risk for, for needing that type of procedure? What type of patient would be at risk for that? So the type of patients that develop benign kidney tumors, uh, the majority of these are called angiomyolipomas. Um, they can develop in anyone, and they tend to develop um, as people age, and they're a little bit more common in women, about four to one. Um, majority of patients that have these are pa patients that are over the age of 40 or patients that suffer from tuberous sclerosis, and those are patients that can develop potentially multiple of these angiomyolipomas. Um, malignant tumors, there are a multitude of different malignant tumors that can occur in the kidneys and they can occur in all ages. Um, Post-traumatic injuries can obviously occur to anyone, mm -hmm. post-surgical complications, and, and, uh, and uh, th th those things can occur to anyone in a, at any time. Sure. Age, and so how, how would this initially present? Uh, if it's in the kidney, is it as you try to go to the bathroom? Or how, how do these things usually present? And, and what would cause someone to think, hey, I better, this is something I better get uh, checked out? No, that's a good question. Angiomyolipomas, honestly, are major the majority of them are not um, symptomatic. They are small. They're not symptomatic, and they're mostly, most often, incidentally discovered on an imaging exam. For example, a patient may have a CAT scan for some other reason, and we may discover a small five millimeter, one centimeter, two centimeter angiomyolipoma, which is really a very little clinical significance. Patients that have larger angiomyolipomas, greater than four centimeters or so, are at much higher risk of developing bleeding. When they develop bleeding complications, they can have acute onset of flank pain. They can have blood in their urine, and those are the two most common um, ways in which those those things can present. Yeah, and and can be the indicators of something more serious potentially. Definitely. Yeah. So that so you're really not something you want to let let go. No, if you're having symptoms. Um, from potentially from a from a bleeding lesion in the in the kidney, then definitely you need to be evaluated. Yeah. You need to have uh, you know a cross sectional imaging study, either a CAT scan or an MRI, and then mm -hmm. and then potentially uh, be treated for that. Yeah. For for most people, that you know, a sudden discomfort or feeling or blood in the urine or those kinds of things, their 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 normal path probably is going to be to their their family doctor. We'll say their primary care provider. Is that what you'd recommend? And then then if they that that provider finds is something serious, they would refer to you. Is that the typical path a patient would take? 
So the typical pathway for a patient that may have bleeding or symptoms from a benign tumor such as an angiomyolipoma is that they will oftentimes either present to their primary care provider, as you said, or present to the emergency department because mm-hmm. a lot of these symptoms are often seen with something more benign like a, a, like a renal stone obstructive process. Mm-hmm. Um, from that point on, we may, once we've determined there's a lesion, we will, uh, we will have the patient uh, um, evaluated by a urologist as well, and then in conjunction with the urologist and the primary care physician, we will make a determination if we feel that the patient would be better suited to a minimally invasive treatment option or an open um, or laparoscopic surgical option. Yeah. And for most of these patients, it may be difficult to say all, but the prognosis, is it, it generally a, um, a, a positive path or what, what would you talk about the, the prognosis of these patients in the long term? Long-term prognosis is very good. Um, Generally speaking, if we do a minimally invasive embolization approach, these tumors respond very, very well. We decrease the blood supply of the tumor, then scars down and decreases in size. Um, Very, very small number of them, small percentage of them may require a second embolization or potentially um, need to have a more invasive surgical um, option. Um, So yes, patients that have angiomyolipomas that may have symptoms from them or may have a concern for future bleeding based on the size of them, they are often, um, those patients tend to do very, very well with these treatments. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I know the answer to the question, but I'll certainly ask it. And that is, um, is there, is there things people can do to avoid getting in this situation? Um, I, I don't. You know, eat a, we should all eat healthy and exercise more and all those kinds of things. But specific to the kidney, good hydration, is there anything else folks should do to try to, you know, keep positive kidney health? Uh, specifically to prevent uh, development of angiomyolipomas or this benign type of tumor, there really is nothing that you can do specifically. Obviously, in order to prevent other types of uh, kidney um, issues, maintaining, you know, maintaining good blood sugar control, blood pressure control, maintaining hydration. Those are all things that we can do to prevent um, kidney failure. Yeah. Uh, but w- with regards to uh, this this tumor, there's nothing that can be done from a preventative standpoint. Yeah. Uh, if, if someone at home is looking for more information, are there are there uh, places you would recommend they look to try? You know, the Internet's full of all kinds of information. There are some better than other. Is there anywhere you, you would recommend someone look to, to try to get learn more on their own? Well, I don't think the majority of people probably really need to to be too focused on this particular type of benign tumor. You've mentioned uh, a benign status a few times. What if it's, there's a malignant finding in in what's been done with the patient? What what happens then? No, that's a good question, Carl. Honestly, uh, malignant tumors in the kidneys, um, depending on the size of the tumor, they can potentially be treated minimally invasively, if they are small enough, we can actually perform a CT-guided ablation in which we use either heat or cold therapy in order to destroy the tumors. Larger tumors will oftentimes need to be resected by the urologist. Mm-hmm. Um, even in those tumors, if the tumor is large and has a very, very large blood supply and there's a concern for significant blood loss during the procedure, we will perform an embolization prior to the surgery in order to decrease um, that blood loss during oh. the procedure. And, and when you're doing a procedure, is it an office-based procedure or is it in, in the OR? How do those go? So the procedures that we do that uh, uh, that are CT-guided, for example, an ablation procedure for a malignant small tumor in the kidney, we do that um, in the CAT scan machine itself. 
um, procedures that we do for embolization, we do in an angiography suite where we have real-time x-ray available for us to, um, to be able to visualize the catheters and the blood supply to the, to the, to the um, organ as we, as we shut it down. Yeah. So having that ability to, to really watch as you, as you go real-time, as you said, that, I'm going to guess that's something that's fairly new. Uh, in the years you've been in practice, have you seen a lot of change in the, the way technology is assisting the work that you do? I think that uh, what what really has changed a lot, um, the technology is always advancing, obviously, um, and then the the devices are also advancing at the same time. So we have a lot of new, uh, a lot of new, more advanced catheters, uh, smaller catheters. Um, we have newer techniques that we're able to do um, from a minimally invasive radial artery approach. Uh, we can actually we can access the kidney from the wrist, um, something that we were not doing when I first started training. We were doing all of these cases from the groin. Um, the the types of devices that we use to embolize, the type of coils, um, the type of particles, all of these things have advanced yeah. um, since I first started training. So we have a lot a lot larger armamentarium in order to do these procedures than we did previously. Mm. So there's no doubt that uh, we're just going to continue to see more and more advances and um, probably be able to treat an even wider array of, of diseases moving forward in the kidneys. Very good. Well, Dr. Jagannathan, we appreciate your time today, giving us a lot of information on kidney embolization, and uh, we appreciate you being part of the podcast. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Carl.